Brant, how you doing, man? Episode nine. Welcome back. What's going on with you? I'm doing very well, Dave. How was uh, your week with the birthday festivities? This is the first uh, pod post birthday. So how was it yesterday, man? I'm still, I didn't get the, if you sent me a card in the mail, I didn't get it yet. <laughs> so I think I'm still receiving mail, but uh, no, my, my birthday was, was good and, you know, in, enjoyed it. And how could I not enjoy it with Michigan being six and zero and Cowboys being a one loss team? Those are the birth, the biggest birthday presents I could, I could get. Let's be honest. No mention of the kids. Um, I noticed there. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Well, obviously, the number one blessing and gift <laughs> in my life, my wife and kids. Thank you for that. Michigan is 6-0, and oh, though. That is, that is very important. Yes. But yeah, go blue. All right. So, Brant, it is the midseason point right now. Michigan's heading into a bye week. Um, we are 6-0. and oh, Like I said, it's, the, it's halftime. Halftime of the season. Uh, I thought it would be fun if we did some midseason awards which probably have about as much credibility as winning a Dundee at Dunder Mifflin, I would, I would imagine, but still it's fun to just talk about some of these guys and, you know, who's standing out on the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball, and um, you know, talking about the coaching additions as, as well. So want to hear your thoughts, hear your, uh, your MVPs, if you will, at this point of the season, six games in let's dive right in. So Brant right now, six and zero. Oh, who is the offensive MVP for the University of Michigan? Well, Dave, I know that um, I wanted to give you like a single player or whatever, but I don't think I can here. I think this award has to go to the offensive line um, as a whole unit. They have just been so good and so consistent, and they've only given up – sacks have been very rare, um, right? Uh, Cade's been allowed time. The running game has been – whatever they're calling it, the ground raid or yeah, the ground raid offense, like the, the offensive line is gelling in a way that we haven't seen in quite some time. And I think that all of those guys deserve the collective MVP from my side. You. Yeah, that's a good answer. Switch it up already. I ask you a player, you give me a whole position group. Appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> no, that that's good. I hear what you're saying. That's been an integral piece. Um, I actually, my offensive MVP is actually not a super sexy pick, if you will, um, but Hassan Haskins, and maybe that's a sexy pick depending on you know who you ask. I think out of the two, right, everybody knows Haskins and Blake Corum. Blake Corum's probably the, uh, the the more exciting pick, the bigger playmaker. But man, I was thinking about this, and it's like Hassan just has intangible value, and he seems like a tone setter to me for this offense. And he seems to give us an identity. Like we know at this point, Michigan wants to run the football. That is what, that is their identity. That's been very clear. They've been forced to throw the ball more, but that's what they want to do. And I think Hassan is just, he's given us that identity. And the other thing that I think goes super un, like undervalued with him is he is rarely giving you second and nine. He is a lot of times giving you a second and six. And I'll tell you what, that makes a big difference in the, in the scheme of a game is a dude who, when he gets hit or the hole's not quite there, he's not going down easy. And even if his runs aren't the, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10 yard scampers that you might get out of Blake Corum, I do think that just having a tough running back that can get you four or five yards consistently is, is huge. And another stat that I pulled on 
Hassan Haskins because I was just curious, like looking at the season stats, and I wanted to be able to back up my answer. So check this out. He has ran the ball 101 times this season and 37 times has earned a first down. So I understand that, you know, that could be some third and short and, and what have you. But the point is, is that he's, he's a dog. He really is like, he's a, he's going to run hard. He's going to run strong. He's going to get you first downs and kind of keep you consistently moving the ball forward. So he's my offensive MVP at this point in the season. What about on the defensive side of the ball? Who do you got? Uh, I got the, I got David, David Ajabo and I screwed up his name in the first couple of weeks. And I feel kind of bad now <laughs> because uh, that guy has turned out to be a stud. And I know that Hutchinson gets a lot of love and he gets a lot of attention, right? He gets a lot of the double teams, but that means that the other guys have to go to work and nobody has went to work harder than David Ajabo. And uh, when you talk about playmaking and you talk about big plays, sacks, he is the one that is eating and uh, he deserves to get the recognition for that. Um, obviously there's been a bunch of players on that defense that have stepped up this year compared to last year, but I think though, through the first six games, uh, David Ojabo should get that. David Ojabo has been incredible and he wants all the smoke. He he's yeah. that dude that is, that's firing up everybody and is kind of, uh, running his mouth at times. I think Michigan needs, needs a little bit of that. I love that pick David Ojabo. Um, I'll, I'll take the easy way out on this one. I think it's gotta be Hutch, you know, Aiden Hutchinson is, well, I said it before, he's likely could be a top 10 pick. Yeah, I think top 15 at worst. He looks one, he looks like one of the best players in college football, to be quite honest with you. He's a he's a playmaker, even when he gets double teamed, and he's just he's the identity of this defense. And if I'm saying defensive most valuable player, what that tells me is if I take a player out of that defense tomorrow, who's gonna have the biggest impact or like what's gonna start to fall apart? And I think you take Hutch out of that defense these guys aren't getting to the quarterback as easy as they, as they have been. I think those blitzes aren't as impactful. And I just think that he adds so much tenacity and just leadership on that side of the ball. So I'll, I'll take the, the easy way out on that one and take uh, Aiden Hutchinson. Let's talk about the young guys. And, and this gets a little bit muddy because like we were talking before we just started recording this, the COVID year last year, just kind of like all the eligibility stuff is just like confusing to me now. I mean, it's not that confusing of a concept what they did, but it's like, who do you call a freshman? Can you call these people, you know, freshman of the year? They were technically here last year. They played a few games. So bottom line is, is that redshirt freshmen are in play. And so are your, your true freshmen. So offensive side of the ball, who's your freshman offensive MVP and why? Yeah, Dave, I think I, I'm going to go with JJ. And I'm going to go with JJ just because of, uh, you know, he's got the two amazing touchdowns that you are like, just pops, right? It pops right off to you, but not, not a ton to select from here. Right. And, and that's okay. But JJ is the one that has made the most impact. I think on the other teams, the other teams, defensive coordinators have to come up with a game plan for this scenario. Now JJ's out there on a third down. Now he's out there on a drive. What do we do now? Now we have to put in our different personnel because the kid can run. Uh, we know that he's got a cannon, right? Uh, and a well-timed cannon when, when it's, uh, when it's the, the right play call. So I, I think that he makes the differences in the games right now that no other freshman is on offense. Just to piggyback off that, I think I saw another cool thing. I don't know if you read this about J.J. McCarthy. Him and uh, Donovan got some some press time with the media this week, and 
you know, there's a story that came out. I think Jim Harbaugh was actually the one to talk about after I forget what, what game it was after. It wasn't the Nebraska game. Um, maybe it was Wisconsin. I, I forget, but the bottom line is that he came, came out to see after the game, JJ on the field, taking reps with Donovan and now being joined by like Andrell Anthony. And to me, he's just like, he's already, he's already leading from where he's at. And I'm really big on that, whether that be work or in sports, you can lead from wherever you're at. And he's already leading that next unit. He's leading the future when his time is called, as he said the other day, he'll be ready to go, but he kind of understands his role right now and is leading from within. That's super impressive to me as a young, as a young guy, beyond just his football skills. Like those are the intangibles that take you to the next level. Um, so, but that wasn't my, my pick. Um, and, and truth be told, we talked about a couple of our picks before the episode, cause we realized we were double dipping on some guys. So JJ was one that I wanted to talk about anyway. And I'm glad that, that you brought him up, uh, for, for me though, it is gotta be Zach Zinner. And he got a lot of love heading into this season. Like they were kind of hyping him up as this, like he could be the best player on the offensive side of the ball. I remember listening to podcasts like over the summer about that. He's technically a redshirt freshman. Um, I don't think he's quite lived up to that, but he is certainly a staple on that O-line um, and has certainly held his own. And you lose a guy like Zach Zinner, um, who's playing meaningful minutes and snaps. And like I said, a staple on that O-line. I think he would miss his presence like greatly. So Zach Zinner is my pick there. What about on the defensive side of the ball? Defensive M- or freshman defensive MVP. I think this one's pretty obvious. Uh, Junior Colson for me has has kind of emulated what the Michigan defense is about. It's about getting to places on time and, and in a hurry. And he seems to be emulating his game after um, Josh Ross. I, I heard a coach talk about that, and I just he's like soaking it up like a sponge, right? And that's only going to make him him 10x better following a guy like Ross because uh, Ross, for some of his downfalls, he's not the quickest guy. He's not the strongest guy, but he seems to be in spots uh, to make plays. And I think if Junior Colson does that, Junior Colson is a better athlete than Ross. I think we can all. Oh, definitely. <laughs> you know, he, de- he definitely is. I think he'd be an all big 10 player at some point for sure. It, and if you want to follow somebody, follow Ross, because he's the guy that has the intangibles of, hey, you have to be here at this time uh, to make a play. And, and getting those kind, of, uh, those kind of mental game from Ross is only going to help him out a ton. So I think right now he is the defensive freshman of the year for us. I, I don't think you can argue that, you know, just from like snaps alone and, you know, RJ Moten can obviously get some love too, or even yeah, Chris Jenkins absolutely. on Chris Jenkins on the line has done some really good things too. Uh, I I'm going to switch it and go to another red shirt uh, freshman who was technically here last year. And that's Nakai Hill green, you know, Nakai, he, he could improve in, in coverage, I think. And, and they really haven't blitzed him a ton uh, on the ball. It hasn't, I think I saw somewhere he's blitzed like, less than 10 times or something in that ballpark. So they haven't really used him in that way, in that way, but he's a guy similar to like Dax Hill, where I just see like his name pot. I know it's kind of a lame take, but like, it just seems like he's always there. He's a good tackler. He is, 
He's the guy who when you a big plays about to potentially skirt out on the outside, like he's there to make a tackle to keep it second and eight instead of you know becoming a first down. So I really like Nikai Hill Green. He was another player they were definitely hyping up here over the summer. And he he really seems to to be living up to that, at least from from what I had heard. So I, I like Nikai Hill Green a lot. Dave, think about the future at linebacker for Michigan, just between those two. And you're like, hey, these guys could actually be here until like 2024 or 2025 together that's scary for the rest of the big 10 and ironically the linebacker core was like so that that was supposed to be a weakness of this team so i mean that that is a a really good point and for an area that there were question marks around you know that 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 definitely seems to be a strong and exciting like part of our of our defense um all right shift back to offense here for a minute most improved who's your most improved offensive player as it sits today yeah Dave so I kind of went off the beaten path here again um and I think it has to be Jake Moody uh not to say that he had been terrible in his past but he lost his job to Quinn Nordine got it back from Quinn gave it up again and then it was just like who knows what you're going to get coming into this year is it going to be a mixed bag as Michigan fans we're so used to an up and down kicker right We can't rely on this. Well, when we walked into Nebraska and you see these field goals go up, you see the first two and you're like, all right, that kind of sucks that we had to settle, but we got a solid kicker that we can rely on. And I don't think there was a Michigan fan that was watching that game that was comfortable with those last two field goals where pressure's on. We know how this goes in the past. Wide left, Quinn Nordine somehow misses it by three yards left or right. right. Um, It was just to watch him go up there and he's got like a little draw on his kick. And it's like, man, he looks comfortable. He don't look shook at all. And then long story short, it it makes you feel as a Michigan fan, like, Hey, as long as we're within the 30, we're walking away with three, as long as we don't turn it over. Right. So that is something to have in the back pocket, especially when you're on the road, points are at a premium on the road. You may have a turnover here or there, but you know you have that steady kicker waiting in the wings for you to pick you up and get you three. Which we have not had in a while. And it's really nice to have a real – it's funny you put Jake Moody there because he – I almost I almost put Jake Moody over – I was trying to find a way where I could fit him in because I was like, God, do I put him as the offensive MVP coming after that <laughs> you very Nebraska well game? Man. He's been Mr. Steady. Yes. Yes, he has. Yeah, he certainly has. It, it, it's nice to have a consistent kicker and reliable kicker there that it can at least get you three points even when your offense can't convert within if the five-year <laughs> If Quinn Nordine got a job in the NFL, I don't see how Jake Moody doesn't get a job in the NFL. I would agree. I would agree. Um, my most improved offensive player has got to be Andrew Vistardis. I He, on the old line, like another, another – uh, piece of like writing I read over the summer was like if Andrew Vistardis is their starting center that's going to be a problem like he's going to be a liability at center and in fact they were talking about how Zach Zinner should be the one that's playing center and he's been great um, he's been very very good and he he looks to be every bit of the part he might actually find him carve himself out a spot in the league um, you know he's not blowing your socks off but once again another staple on that offensive line that has just really helped you know create and sustain Michigan's identity on offense this year um, most improved on defense Daxton Hill and it's not close to me 
Uh, you're finally seeing, we all knew he had the talent. We've seen the highlight films from high school. We know that he has the skills. We saw the first year where it was like, hey, he seems to be there, but he's just not making plays. I think this year he took a lot of time. It looks like he put in the work in the off season. And now he looks like an NFL player, right? He is stuck to these guys like glue when he's in man. In zone, he's jumping out of the fields to make plays. Like, I'm not kidding when I say jumping out of stadiums. It looks like he's got springs on his legs, man. Like he's making big plays. And uh, the, the concentration that it took to have that interception in Nebraska, that's the difference between winning and losing to me. Um, and if you're going to be a leader on this team, you have to make plays like that. And, and right, you saw, uh, you saw Jermon Green miss that interception late in the fourth quarter. It was like, hey, that's just a lack of focus, man. But then you see Daxton Hill makes a play like that. And you're like, that's the difference between winning and losing. So um, I think that he has taken himself from just like maybe a B minus C plus type of player. And now he's definitely an A minus A type of player. Dax would have been my pick too. I'll give you a couple other players to think about. Brad Hawkins has gotten better. Vincent Gray has gotten better. Mozzie Smith has gotten a lot better to the point where they didn't even know if he was going to be a starter this year. He's definitely an integral part of that, uh, that front seven. I, I think that that kind of leads into, you know, because my answer w- would be Dax for that hands down, and I don't think it's close either. Uh, but there are some other guys who have taken some really big steps forward that you needed to take a step forward to be where you're at today, sitting 6-0, and which I don't think many people at all thought, you know, including Vegas, who had Michigan at over under seven and a half wins, which, you know, could still be possible. Let's hope not. But um, but it's it's definitely looking like this coaching staff is getting the most out of out of these guys, which is nice to see as a Michigan fan who we tend to chronically get the talent, but it's developing the talent that seems to have been the issue over the years. So that's exciting to see. Uh, so that leads us into the last piece of our midseason awards, our Dundies, if you will, for Michigan football. I'm speaking about coaches now. As we know, Jim's back got put up against the wall. We've talked about it before. He completely pretty much wiped out his old coaching staff and brought in a bunch of new guys shifted around some old guys. Um, I want to know out of all those moves, Brent, what do you feel like was the the best addition or the best move that Jim made with this coaching staff? So it's got to be best move for me. It's not anybody he brought in. It's somebody that was already there. And that's Sharon Moore for me Um, as a tight ends coach. I thought he was good. Um, but when you had, uh, Dave Warner there with that offensive line, he definitely had some good years. Um, him Ed and Warner, had, yes. Er, yeah, Ed Warner, I'm sorry. I, I know that they had a little bit of a falling out or whatever happened there. It was like kind of a weird that he just was out. Um, and when, when Sharon Moore took over, it just, it seems to be gelling right now and they seem to be running lineups or, or kind of subbing guys in and out. That makes sense. Um, I know they're a little bit banged up. But that's why you you have backups, right? That's why you have guys that are ready to hop in at any second to make a play. And um, from everything that I read and everything that I can uh, gather, it's like these guys love Sharon Moore. Um, they want to go to bat for them. They want to go to bat for him. Um, they look up to him, kind of. And um, that's something that can't be understated. So that move from Harbaugh alone, I think, was a great move, and it shows his willingness to. Um, evolve right and that's something that we as Michigan fans have been begging Harbaugh to evolve to make a change uh to put us in a position where we can be six and oh 
Yeah. And well, I, I think you have said this before. I think you either have to evolve or you lose your job with what happened last year. And I think, you know, it's looking like they're, they're starting to evolve. I think that Mike McDonald is my easy pick. Just having, it just seems like such an upgrade over Don Brown. I still will wait and, and see as the competition is going to be getting stiffer and stiffer. And, you know, we saw some hiccups against Adrian Martinez in Nebraska from this defense. I I'm curious to see adjustments that are made when you go to East Lansing on October 30th, Peyton Thorns played very well. Kenneth Walker is a problem. Um, you've still got to play Penn state. I'm not super concerned about Penn state's offense necessarily, but Ohio state's the obvious one jury will still be out to see how, you know, how Mike is able to make adjustments um, against some really top tier talent, but he would be my pick. And my honorable mentions, I have three three guys. I know we're talking about pretty much the whole coaching staff at this point, but I love the Mike Hart hire from the get-go. I think Mike has done an outstanding job with these running backs. He's getting the most out of them, and that's been awesome to see. I think uh, on the defensive side of the ball as well, uh, Ron Bellamy has been outstanding coming from you know West Bloomfield High School locally. You know, Former Michigan player has done an outstanding job getting those guys elevated and playing hard and playing smart. Um, and then the last one's got to be a uh, Steve Klinkscale, who they got from Kentucky. Love that pull too. I just think everything seems to be gelling right now. Change has been very, very good. So sticking with the college football theme, Brant, we wanted to play something out here on this ninth episode, like a theoretical thing, right? We talked earlier in the season about, man, wouldn't it be nice if the college football playoff was expanded? I think you were saying like 12 team, you could see it being that. I said I'd be happy with six, and I realistically could see it being eight. Um, but I, let's play this out a little bit. So now, now we've got a really good idea of where these teams, you know, the chips are starting to fall a little bit. There's a lot of football left to be played, but you can kind of see these teams that are starting to, to, to shake out a little bit. So for fun, at this midpoint of the season, let's lay out a, do you want to do an eight team or you want to do a 12 team? I'd like to do a 12 team and I kind of have them up here. Like we can kind of analyze and see what would happen. Um, and we can kind of take the steps through how these teams would be sitting today. So um, Dave, right now, if the season ended today and you had a 12 team playoff, you'd have Alabama playing Oklahoma state. Um, obviously Alabama just went through their first loss. Um, but I don't think anybody would look at those top four um and say that Alabama deserves to be in there right now, but not, but they would also say that they probably still deserve a shot at a playoff system. So if you take, so hold on, four, just to clarify, I don't mean to cut you off. So you're saying did. the top four teams right now being Georgia, yeah. Iowa, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma, the, they're not playing in that first round. Correct. Right. So you're saying right now, Alabama technically sitting at five and Oklahoma state sitting at 12. I just want to clarify for people listening. That's, right. that's your setup. Okay. Yeah. I was going to get to that, but um, yeah, the top four get buys, whatever. So now you have a five V 12 situation. Um, and, and Dave, is, is that something that you'd like to see is Alabama get a shot at a five seed? Um, and do you think they have deserved it? Yeah. And I think one of the questions that we were talking about was like, so that, that loss that they took wouldn't be a very big deal. Like, is that bothersome? My whole, my overarching thing about this is give me, if it's 12 teams, if it's eight teams, I don't care. I don't care about conferences. 
everybody's merging together. It seems like at this point, that seems like that's going to be a thing of the past. I mean, it will, it's not going to be a thing of the, the past, like it's going away, but it that's changing. So however that's going to change and where Texas is going and Oklahoma, whatever, I want to see if it's 12 teams, I want to see the best 12 teams in college football get a spot and be able to duke it out. So no, I don't really care that like a one loss, like that's not as big of a deal. Okay. Is Alabama still one of the top 12 teams in the country? Yep. Top eight team. Yep. Top 16. Yep. They should be in there. Okay. And so when I talked about, um, you know, the five V 12, the six V 11, Mm -hmm. uh, some of this is going to work itself out, right? Like Oklahoma state's going to have to play somebody. Uh, Kentucky's going to play Georgia this weekend. And some of those things are going to be jumbled around. But I think if you take it to 12, maybe maybe Kentucky loses by three to Georgia, right? But, you know, and then they run the table the rest of the way, but they never get a shot at Alabama because they're not in the same division or whatever. You know what I mean? And I, and I don't know the SEC division, so I don't know exactly the breakdown, but let's say Georgia was their final loss, much like you see in the Big Ten East, like if Michigan lost to Michigan State, Well, that was their final chance if Michigan State ran the table and now they won't get another game for the Big Ten Championship. And now they're sitting at seven or eight or whatever it is. Um, And then you leave that team out in the cold that deserves to be there with a one loss. Right, Um, right. And and I'm just saying those scenarios can happen. And I think that a 12-team playoff gets you where that's more inclusion, sure, and maybe that may be too much. But I would rather have too much at this point than not enough. And I think that's something that the old college football faithful has a trouble wrapping their minds around. Are you that way, Dave? Or you like want to include more people, more teams? Um, I, I, I want the best teams in college football to be able to compete for a national championship. I, oh. I think that I'm going to answer this just shortly. I, I don't love the idea of like 12 or more just because I think it adds unnecessary, like a lot of extra games for these kids that are already trying to like make the league. And like, I I, I worry about the like kind of the health and safety piece of that. I more so though, whatever number they fall on is do it. So we get the best teams to play each other and, and give them a shot at a, at a national championship and, and do away with some of these bowl games that just nobody cares about or wants to watch anymore. Like that system is so stale to me that uh, I, I I'm for getting rid of a ton of bowl games and restructuring this whole thing, but also let's not add like four weeks onto the season. Right. And so I, I guess I'll, I'll leave you with my last kind of idea and thought is the big 10 East, as I already talked about, it has four top 10 teams right Mm -hmm. now, as it stands today to leave two of those out best case scenario, two are left out, right. Seems moronic to me at this point, because I think that Iowa can play with Georgia. I think that Michigan could play with the likes of Alabama or Georgia today. I think that Ohio state clearly could play with both of those. So, and, and Penn state when Sean Clifford's healthy, why can't they compete? So obviously, you know, Georgia and Alabama compete. Now you have these four teams from the Big Ten East that are very good. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, not the Big Ten East, just alone uh, with Michigan State involved. You also have Iowa in the Big Ten West. But you know what I mean? You have five teams that are up there in the top ten right now. And, and why are you going to leave somebody out in the cold just because you want to exclude it to four? 
Um, and so what if, what if there was this scenario where you got Michigan and Michigan state in some sort of five V 12 playoff game or six V 11 playoff game? I mean, what would that do for the revenue of these schools? What would that do for eyes on the television for, for Michigan alone? Um, and you talk about those types of things. What do you think, I, Dave, about that? Well, I think the model in a sense is already created. Like, look at, look at the excitement that generates around whether people are college basketball fans or not. Everybody knows March Madness. Like when that time comes around, you've got the, the conference tourney uh, games that come and then the big dance, right? And I'm not, we're obviously don't need like 64 teams in a, fo- in a football playoff. But my point is, is that, there's a lot of excitement that's generated. You see schools that people aren't really sure. Like, I don't know. I don't know a ton about Kentucky. I, I'm not saying that they're, I know they played Georgia this weekend. That spread is like 21 and a half or something like that. So like, I'm not saying that they are going to, to win any, anything, but like, yeah, I'd like to see a, t- a team like Kentucky get a chance at it to, to, to take a crack at it and, and see if, these guys and their coaching staff can, can get them fired up for a really tough game and have national championship implications. Like that's exciting. Like that is stuff I would want to tune into. I would tune in in January or in December and the six V 11 game. Yep. I'm, I, I'm tuned in like 1000%. Are you watching that? If that's just a regular bowl game, would you, you, you might catch it if it's on, but it's not something that you'd sit down and watch, right? Right, right, exactly. Like imagine, imagine sitting down and because I, I don't know if you do any of the like the bowl picks and all of that. Like I've done it a couple of times, and t- to be honest, like even by the time I'm done filling out the millions of bowl games and the random picks of who I think is going to win, I'm like already annoyed with them. Like oh, I yeah, I don't care. Like yep, that sounds whatever. I, I'll kind of check it. But imagine you, me, Neef, Pat, like throw John in there, right? Georgia Bulldogs, you know, he's taking Georgia all the way. Um, but like you toss some guys in, in, in a pool like that and, and everybody fills out their bracket there. You could do it against the spread. I mean, there's just so much fun stuff that you could do that I think would keep people engaged in college football um, even more. And, and so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, I'm talking myself into more teams into the playoffs just for that reason. But I also think you got to be realistic about what does that actually look like in terms of how many weeks, how many games you are adding on. You're putting top tier talent against each other. Kids are going to get hurt. And but I think that you also look at the bowl games right now, like so many like look at a team like Michigan. They're never playing for a national championship. They're always in like a, a decent bowl game for the most part. But like, look at all the guys opting out of those games because it doesn't mean anything to them. Now you take a team that's like, I don't know, 10th in the country. And they're like, well, we got a shot to win a national championship. You kind of cut that out of like these elite tier teams, which tend to be where the elite NFL draft prospects are coming from anyway. I think it's kind of twofold because you might get some of those guys who come from these top programs like Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Notre Dame, you know, all, all of all Ohio state, like all of these programs. And if they weren't going to make it into the 14 college football playoff, why would they play? Well, they would play in this format because they're playing for a natty. Right. I completely agree. So, so, all right, 
Cool. Well, yeah, no, I think we're, uh, we're on the same page with that. You, are you cool if we kind of go into the, the betting segment or do you have anything else you want to wrap up? Nope. I will just say, I think the number is 12 teams. What do you think the number is for you? I think it's eight. Okay. That's fine. Yep. I think it's, I think it's eight. Um, but I'm in, I'm intrigued with 12, but I, I think I'm at eight right now. So, all right, let's head into a uh, betting segment and then let's get on out of here. We're up against it with time per usual. All right, great, Dave. Um, we got MSU heading to Bloomington to take on the Hoosiers. Uh, they are four and a half point favorites. Who do you got? I'll take MSU at this point. I'll take them to, to cover the, the four and a half. They've given me no reason to, to not continue to take like a four and a half point spread against Indiana. Michael Penix is out. Uh, that means they'll cover the spread. Uh, put them in any money line you like. MSU handles business this weekend. Uh, okay, so we talked about John a little bit. Uh, the Bulldog Nation um, rise up, right? Uh, Kentucky at Georgia, 21 and a half point favorites this weekend. Between the hedges, who do you got, Dave? Well, yeah, I, I, I think that I've fallen into the trap the last couple of weeks of like the spread that Georgia is getting. And, and Neef texted me last time. I mean, he was like, yeah, but they thought the same thing about Arkansas. Like Georgia's rolling right now. So Kentucky's obviously undefeated. I don't know. I don't know a ton about them. I do know that it's a home game for Georgia. I know it's a lot of points, but I'll take the 21 and a half points for them to cover it. And shout out to John. <laughs> Uh, I think that Kentucky beat LSU. Um, didn't they beat Florida? I feel like they beat Florida. Yeah. LSU sucks though. Okay. Yeah. Fair point. Okay. I'll give you that. I mean, this year they do, but right. Yeah. Yeah. They did beat Florida though. I'm I'm pretty sure that Florida doesn't suck. You're right. You're right. And so I think 21 and a half is very large for Georgia's offense that can sputter at times Their defense is ungodly, uh, best defense in the nation. If you ask me. But I think that 21 and a half is going to be tough to cover. So I will take the Wildcats. Um, Bama at Mississippi State. You probably have a pretty pissed off Alabama team and probably a pretty mad uh, Nick Saban. So uh, it's a 16 and a half point spread at Mississippi State. Who do you got, Dave? Yeah, a one loss Bama team, never the Bama team that you want to face. I would for sure be taking Bama to cover those 16 and a half. It wouldn't matter if it was 28, 35, 42, Bama covers by a million. Yep. Um, all right, I put this in here. Dave special, the homecoming special. Toledo at CMU. Fire up chips this weekend, Dave. What do you got for me, man? Plus chips, four and a half. Chips on the money line. Throw my 401k on it. Let's go. Fire up chips. Chips on <laughs> chips on the money line for Dave. I will I like them to cover the spread at least. Uh my brother-in-law goes there. Shout out to Kyron. Um, he said there is going to be some partying this weekend, oddly enough. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe it. I truly can't believe it. Uh, okay, let's switch over to the NFL. We got Chiefs at the Washington football team. Uh, Washington football team getting six and a half. I, at some point, the Chiefs have to prove me right that like they actually care and are going to try this season. I, I I do not. Washington has not been good. I, if anything, I thought that their defense was going to be really good this year. As Chase Young is just a freak, but they've been giving up a ton of points. I, I, I'll take this six and a half. Just does not. Washington is not good. I, I don't. Six and a half does not seem like much. I realize that it's a a home game for them, but give me the Chiefs. I think they cover six and a half. Dave, I think you put it best when you said they're just not good. 
<laughs> so uh, I will take the six and a half and the Chiefs to cover. Uh, Chargers at Ravens. This might be uh, sneaky, the game of the weekend. Uh, can the Ravens cover three? Well, I've got Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert on the same fantasy football team, so I'm 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 conflicted. Embarrassment of riches, right? It really is. It really is. Um, gosh, Lamar. First of all, that was just outstanding. That Monday Night Football game was just insane, and one of the most fun games I've watched in a while. Um, with all that said, I'm going to take the uh the, the Chargers with the points here. I just I'm high on the Chargers. They're you know, Austin Eckler's playing good. Justin Herbert seems to be the real deal. I understand they're on the road, but gosh, the Ravens can't just keep sputtering like they have and pulling out these crazy wins. Like see the win against the Lions last week. Um, you know, they had that tight game. I think they lost the game, but like that tight game against the Raiders in week one. Like I just, they've been playing with fire, as you like to say. I, I just think that, uh, that the Chargers are going to come in and take care of business. Chargers defense is not very good. I would like to preface with that. Uh, they gave up over 500 yards to the Browns. Um, I like the Ravens at home here in this spot. John Harbaugh just seems to get these guys ready for games like this. So, um, yeah, I think they'll cover the three. Um, Bengals at Lions. If the Lions, <laughs> Lions are getting three and a half, if the Lions don't get it done this weekend, I'm worried you're not going to see a win until after the bye week. Dave, what do you say? Bengals are going to cover that spread. I will be down there at that game with my buddy uh, Matt, and I I'm already just saying goodbye to my Sunday. Good thing I'm not a diehard Lions fan or something because I'm not impacted either way. But yes, I will be down there uh, this afternoon on Sunday, and I'm for sure taking Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Dave, you have no faith, my friend. Um... I will take the three and a half points. I will not take the Lions on the money line, but I like them to lose by another field goal at home. Wow. Um, well, it, if <laughs> if Dan Campbell has any tears left in his eyes, I think that 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 could be an unfortunate, very real scenario. Uh, quick note: I know that the Lions' coach name is Dan Campbell. I'm with everybody else. I know that now. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, I gave Dave this quick little nugget. Um, I want to know how he felt about these three games because we want to give you guys a parlay uh, that you can play on for the weekend. Um, I know it's kind of the hot thing to do. Um, so I asked Dave, who would you take out of these three games? Cards, Browns, Cowboys, Pats, Bills, Titans. He shot back to me that he would take the Cards, the Cowboys, and the Bills. And that on the money line only will pay you plus 449 on any bet that you make. So um, that's major plus money. It's something that you guys should consider putting down. Um, and it's something that Dave and I actually both completely agreed on. So if you're looking for a parlay this weekend, I would take a look at that. That um, that can pay pretty well. Is that, the, is that the lock of the week? Is it the parlay this week? I'm not going to go with that on the, I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you what the lock of the week was, but um, the, the parlay is not the lock of the week. I think the lock of the week, Dave, I'm actually going to roll with Michigan state this week. Oh they yeah. cover that four and a half. No um, doubt. And, and it's pretty good money too. Um, so hit them, hit them on the lock of the week. And then when the Spartans mess up, I can blame them. So ah, there you go. <laughs> there it is. There it is. All right, cool. Thanks, man. Another great episode in the books. If you happen to make it to the all the way to the end of this long, long episode, um, please 
Give us a follow, subscribe to our podcast. We're going to get it out there. It was already up on Spotify. We have not been sharing it out like we intended to. It's definitely getting a lot of love on Apple Podcasts, but we're going to share it out to both platforms, share that with you guys. Please help us out, get some followers right now. Um, you know, we've got some goals, some short-term goals ahead of us that we're trying to hit with, uh, with overall downloads and subscribers and followers. So appreciate the support as always shared out with family and friends and other sports geeks, and we will see you next time.